Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the breaking news here out of uh, Ottawa with the uh, approval of the fourth dose in Canada. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations has released a statement today urging provinces to, uh, as quickly as possible, administer a fourth dose for people over the age of 80 and people in long-term care homes. Uh, because they're roughly six months after their third dose. And then to also look uh, at the next priority group would be people between 70 and 79. Um, so expect provinces. And we're going we're gonna to hear more about that at 1 o'clock today from Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix. I expect them to announce that uh, scheduled for, um, certainly first of all with people in long-term care homes to get their fourth dose. And NASI says it's still studying um, the age groups younger than 70 about whether their immunity are waning or is waning at the same pace as older people. So the fourth dose might not be recommended yet. Well, it's not recommended yet for people under the age of 70, but presumably we'll get there at some point. But right now the priority is uh, people over the age of 80 and people in long-term care. Second priority, people over the age of 70. Okay, pretty similar to what you projected yesterday mm -hmm. on the show. So different from the United <laughs> States, right, where they over approved 50. the fourth dose for people over 50. Yeah, the, so the Food and Drug Administration down there has approved it. I don't think the Center for Disease Control has signed off on it yet, but they're expected to. But you're right, it's, it's over the age of 50 down south of the border. Right now it's over the age of 70 on the recommendation from NACI. But again, this is an evolving situation. Don't be surprised if people over the age of 50 get a fourth dose offered sometime later this year. Why are they approving this fourth dose? Is there any indication that people in this age bracket are more yeah. susceptible to virus? Yes, there is. So there, the the immunity is waning at a yeah. more accelerated rate for older people than younger people. And you're seeing that right around the world. That um, And this may be, and we talked about this yesterday, this may be an annual event for people. You, you, yeah. you get your, your booster dose every year. Yeah. Just like many people get a, a flu shot every year. Um, and until this virus finally disappears, there's no sign of disappearing anytime soon. It's on, actually on the rebound. It's on the increase in terms of hospitalizations. The, the positivity rate, the, the percentage of tests coming back positive uh, is increasing. As I reported last night, it's about 15% of all tests coming back in the interior in the north. On Vancouver Island, it's 17%. Uh, in Vancouver Coastal and Fraser, it was below 5%. It's now above 5%. So the percentages of positivity are going up. Hospitalizations have increased. But the good news is ICU cases, which are the more severe cases, are going down. They're down to 36, which was up one from Friday. But here's a stat that'll give you some optimism. In January 25th, there were 71 people on ventilators in ICUs across BC. Yesterday, there were 11. So again, the BA2 variant is very infectious, but it doesn't seem to be causing as much severe illness. Is there any indication or thought that Bonnie Henry could do a rethink on dropping any of these restrictions or mandates this afternoon? 
I don't think, no, not today. That's not, but the, I think there'll be an update on the vaccination card, which is set to expire for non-essential establishments on Friday, yeah, where right. you, you'll be able to go into a restaurant, other places. You still must be vaccinated to go into a long-term care home and a health facility, but uh, that, that card is supposed to, uh, the proof of vaccination is supposed to end on Friday, so we should get an update on that at 1 o'clock today. The other thing is changing and I'm not entirely sure why, is they're going from a daily reporting of cases. For two years, we've been getting almost a daily or five days a week uh, report on how much COVID cases have uh, been discovered, how many people are in hospital, how many people have died, how many people are in ICU. That's been a daily report. That is now going to transition to a weekly report every Thursday instead of every day. Um, not sure how that's going to go. Not sure how well that's going to be received by a lot of people. Gotten used to this daily number. Uh, now it's going to uh, on a weekly basis. I'm sure Bonnie Henry will be asked about that this afternoon. Yep. Why do you? How do you think she will justify or rationalize that? Well, I think part of it is uh, human resource factor. This data has been produced by human beings for two years, and I think um, there could be a burnout factor at the Center for Disease Control, just like we've seen in hospitals. Okay, 1 o'clock this afternoon. 1 o'clock, we'll be carrying that live on BC1. Um, Dr. Barney Henry and Health Minister Adrix. They're also going to present some new modeling that will project where we are potentially headed in terms of cases and hospitalizations. Um, And I suspect it's not going to paint a dire picture. Okay, let me ask you about uh, a surprise announcement. Yesterday it took me by surprise a bit. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Cadu, long-serving Liberal MLA Surrey South, announcing that she was stepping down or she was not going to run again. And I thought, when I saw that, I thought, okay, she's been around a long time, and I guess maybe she's just decided she doesn't want to be in politics no. anymore. And then <laughs> about an hour after that, she she gets this amazing appointment at the federal level as Canada's first uh, accessibility commissioner. Yeah, so I, I did a double take when I saw her the, the tweet there that she was stepping down. So she's stepping down at the end of this month, which will pave the way for a by-election, probably sometime in June, I'm betting. Um, yeah, so this is, apparently she's been in talks with the feds for some time about this position, so congratulations to her. She's one of the more likable people around the legislature for yeah. years. Um, and now uh, Surrey South is very much a two-way race here between the BC Liberals and the NDP. This, the, Stephanie could do one by 1,200. I think uh, part of that was her own personal appeal because she's been around. She's a known name. Yeah. But the NDP's got to be considered very competitive there. This is not going to be like a by-election like Vancouver Colchena, presumably, where Kevin Falcon's running, which is a very safe Liberal seat. Surrey South cannot be considered a slam-dunk safe BC Liberal seat. So you're going to see the NDP throw a lot of a lot of resources into that riding when the by-election is called, see if they can wrest it away from the Liberals. Yeah, she's an interesting MLA, and it might the, the NDP might think they can steal that seat oh, I think they with, do. without her name on the ballot. And I, I've known her a long time, as, as you have. She uses a wheelchair, as people may know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she injured herself in a car. Uh, auto accident when she was a teenager uh, and I've interviewed her extensively about that experience and her, and her comeback from uh, she's what they call an incomplete paraplegic mm-hmm. and she uses a wheelchair I had a very memorable experience at the Surrey Memorial Hospital facility uh, one day where she used a uh, what's called a loco mat mm-hmm. where she was strapped into kind of like an exoskeleton on her legs and she was able to effectively walk yeah. on a treadmill it was an amazing thing to sort of experience so you know she had remember she was the minister of children and family yeah. development when liberals were in government she had a rough ride there too she had a very rough ride yeah. there it was uh, at times can be a very thankless ministry there's, yeah. there's a lot of woe attached to that ministry and um 
I think uh, Stephanie Kudu got unfairly criticized from time to time. There were there were complaints about uh, death of children in care, in government mm-hmm. care at that time. There was uh, an inquiry that was uh, done by Bob Plekis, you may recall, yeah. and the government took a lot of grief and flack over it. She was the point person in that file. Very difficult portfolio. And um, so now moving on as Canada's... Actually, the... The actual title that she's moving to is Canada's first chief accessibility officer. Here's a listen to her testifying in uh, at a, a part, recent parliamentary hearings here uh, about accessibility and people who use a wheelchair and other accessibility barriers that people face. Have a listen to this. What if we were the keynote speaker at an event, but you arrived and you couldn't get on the stage? What if you couldn't speak and were not allowed to have a trusted person speak for you while receiving medical services? What if you booked a a vacation of a lifetime and arrived at a destination to be told they didn't have the room you carefully booked? What if you applied for a job, but when they called to book the interview and they learned you had a disability, they hung up? Okay, that's liberal MLA Stephanie Kandu. Very respected member of the legislature and moving up to a federal appointment here. Yeah, very well-respected and well-liked. So she steps down at the end of this month, paving the way for a by-election in that riding, which I assume is going to occur again earlier than later. Yeah, and I wonder, man, if the NDP could throw a lot of resources at trying to take that seat. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more resources thrown in there than Vancouver. That was close. She won that seat in 2020 by 4.3 percentage. So she won by around 1,200 votes. So, you know, that's a margin that can easily be overcome. They could, the NDP. Uh, uh, there's no incumbent advantage for the BC Liberals. The, the, the name on the ballot is going to be uh, not as well known as the one yeah. that was there last time. Okay. Uh, real quickly, John Horgan and the news yesterday that he has COVID. I know you've been texting with him. Yeah. How is he doing? He still has a sense of humor. Uh, he says, uh, I asked him how he was feeling. He said, not too bad, KB. The sniffles and the dry cough. Is that what he calls you, KB? Well, just every now and then. <laughs> um, he says, uh, uh, he says, I have no, have no sense of taste, but that is not new. So he's still got a sense of humor. And again, talking to staff, no one else around him has tested positive. So, you know, he does travel with staff and such and, um, security details. And didn't such. he, didn't he do an event with Justin Trudeau about a week ago? Yeah, but who knows what, I mean, uh, he t- only tested positive on Monday. Yeah. So it doesn't mean he had COVID last week. Yeah. There's a lot of people who jump to this conclusion that you test positive today. I mean, you've had COVID for weeks. That's not how it works. So again, no one associated with anything uh, with him has tested positive yet. Okay, take a break, come back, open the phone line. So phone me now if you want to weigh in on that fourth dose of the vaccine, which is now being urged in Canada phone me on that. We talked about Stephanie Cadu, the Liberal MLA, stepping down in Surrey South. Uh, I don't know. The NDP would have a shot maybe to steal that riding. If you live in that riding, call me. Tell me what you think. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604-280-9898. Star 9898. Toll free in your cell. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. This is Mike Smith. Back with your calls. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, I mentioned this before. The uh, One of the big advantages of the MRA and MNRA platform is its ability to be able to re- be reworked for new variants for other viruses, Uh I briefly heard something about three, four months ago of them developing something towards the 
Omicron variant, the variant that is now no nothing looks nothing like the original strain. Mm-hmm. Yet we keep going down this road of boosting with the original uh, vaccine that's for a strain that isn't uh, it doesn't look anything like the Omicron. So I, I'm wondering if you have any information on that and why we're not hearing about that as it was the advantage of this yeah. platform. And, and you would think that we would be moving towards that, towards our fourth dose or fifth dose, you know. Thanks, thanks for the call. So research continues all the time on these vaccines. I mean, this is a new type of vaccine, so it's not like the science is over and it's complete. We know everything we need to know. That's not the case. So Pfizer, Moderna, these other companies that have developed these vaccines continue to work away in their labs to try to find better ways to uh, to achieve immunity. Uh, but right now, the track record is, for these vaccines is very good. Uh, but over time, they do weaken, and that's why you're getting the fourth dose. And so until another type of vaccine is, is developed to better um, combat this virus, continue to get this particular uh, uh, form of vaccine. What type of vaccines will people be offered for the fourth dose? You know, uh, I assume it's still going to be Moderna and Pfizer. Yeah. Um, we're not getting any more AstraZeneca. Uh, I'm a double AZ. We are getting the Novavax, uh, but we haven't got a lot of those doses in. That may, it's potentially you could get a Novavax vaccine. That's being offered to um, people who have yet to get a single vaccine. So it's, uh, it's like I say, it's always evolving. Star 9898 is the number to call on your cell. Walter and Tawasin, hi. Hi. Keith, I, uh, I had my uh, first two shots. I have not had my, my booster. Um, would would I have a problem now getting my booster? No, not at all. You can get your booster. In fact, we're going to get a, an update today from uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix. How many people have been invited to get their booster and have yet to, to go in and get their booster? We're talking hundreds of thousands of people yeah. of unfilled appointments. So, Walter, you go in and get you, – you can get your third dose. There should be no problem getting that whatsoever. Why do you think that uh, people who are enthusiastic to get the first two doses maybe said, eh, I'm not going to bother with yeah, the third one. That was not unexpected from health authorities. I remember talking to Dr. Wanahan and Minister Dix about this months ago, that the expectation was that the, the take-up for the third dose was probably not going to approach what the second dose. And indeed, we have yet to hit 60% for third doses, even though we're well over 90% for, for two doses. Um 59% for third dose. People over the age of 70 have an 81% third dose rate, which is still a little low. It should be hopefully over 90. So it's a bit perplexing why even people over the age of 70, a significant number, have yet to get their booster dose when they are the most vulnerable to yeah. the most severe form of illness. Right. Let's go to Mike on the line in Surrey. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so uh, I've had uh, COVID. I'm unvaxxed. I've had COVID. My wife has COVID right now. She's unvaxxed. Um, I've kissed her uh, many times lately, and uh, why are we not uh, recognizing natural immunity? Because I'm not—I'm trying to get sick a second time. I can't. It's—it's it's impossible. Oh, you're, try- you're trying to get COVID again deliberately. Well, uh, I'm trying to prove the point that uh, natural immunity is a thing, and um, not yet. And no, I don't know no, why we no. Don't so there's a lot of people in ICU right now who are unvaccinated. They're on ventilators. So you're not invincible to this thing. Don't kid yourself. Just because you and your wife kiss each other and give each other COVID does not mean that it's a safe situation. You're also putting at risk some of the people around you. Yeah, well, hasn't Bonnie Henry, she's been asked about natural natural immunity, right, from people who mm-hmm. get COVID. And I think she has acknowledged that there's some immunity there. There's if some. You catch it. There's some, but there's a lot of people, like I say, um, if, who have had COVID and then get COVID again and go in the ICU. 
So this is not, it's a foolhardy uh, attitude to think I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm, therefore, I'm going to achieve natural immunity. That's not how it works. The vaccination rate in BC is very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it continues to go up. Like, what are we, around 90, what are we, 95? 91%, 91%, uh, 91% over with two doses, 94% yeah. with one dose. I think. Wow. Where, wow. Where, where the challenge is, is the 5 to 11 year olds. We've hit yeah. sort of a wall uh, weeks ago, and that number just doesn't seem to be going up. Let me ask you in the minute we have left, we were just discussing this off the air. We talked earlier on the show today about whether Vancouver and British Columbia should get in on this party for the World Cup in 2026. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It could cost $200 million or more to host three or four soccer games at BC Play Stadium. Do you think this is a good deal? Well, if FIFA drops its blank check routine, originally when they came uh, came a knocking, uh, they wanted BC to establish things like a separate stadium, a second stadium, a separate power grid. You know, the blank check approach. My understanding, why talks have been activated again, is FIFA has softened its demands. Don't know exactly specifically what they've softened, but they softened to the point where the BC government's actually talking to them now. Yeah, it's it's been a dramatic kind of turnaround on it because four years ago they were adamant that we wanted no part of this. Again, the blank check, it could have cost yeah. a billion dollars. Uh, now the, the costs have shrunk. I think it's a better bet than going for the 2030 uh, Olympics. Okay, well, we'll see what happens to that one. Keith, thanks for coming Talk in.